What a great song, huh? Sometimes we got to let that wall down, let that hope in. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of James chapter 5. I'll be reading from verses 13 through 20, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sin will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by a brother, by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for being able to praise and glorify your name, to declare that our hope is in you, Lord, and that we continue to trust in you every day. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will speak to us through this word as it is proclaimed, that you will give me your thoughts to be my own. I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We're always trying to figure out God's will for our lives. You know, it's not something that you discover the will of God and you got it once and you're done. It's more of a moving target, isn't it? Because the situations change, God has different designs for each one of our days, and it is, it is a constant task for the Christian to continue to discern and to know the will of God and the direction that God is leading us in. Every day, we kind of have to ask ourselves, what is God's will and desire for me on this day? What is his design for my, my time and my, my efforts? Today, James goes straight into it to give us a few examples of different situations or circumstances we might be facing and what he recommends that we do in those circumstances. It's, I call it a cause and effect because it really gives us, if you're going through this, the effect should be that you should do this other thing. If this is what's going on in your life, then here's what that should affect in you. This is the effect it should have. It should lead you to this. And so he begins with, are you, are you suffering? Are you suffering? Anybody suffering out there? You think there's suffering in the world? Any, any little bit of suffering? Have we suffered through this pandemic a little bit, just a little bit? Yeah? He says, are you suffering? Pray. Tell your heavenly father. Let him know about your suffering. 
Open up your heart to him and let him know what you're going through. Is he saying this because God doesn't already know? Of course not. God knows. But God still wants us to pray, to talk to him about what's going on in our lives. He still wants us to bring our suffering to him. And here's why. Because God wants to be our refuge and strength. He wants us to go to him because he wants to be the one that, that comforts us in the midst of our, our suffering. He wants to be the one that is there for us in our times of need. He wants us to learn that when we are suffering, he is there for us and that we're not alone in our suffering. The other thing that God does that sometimes we don't understand in the midst of our suffering is that even through suffering, God can be glorified. Even through suffering and difficult times, God can use us or use other people to bless us. Even in the midst of the most difficult times, the Word of God can feed us and sustain us and push us forward. But in order for all that to happen, we have to take our suffering to God. We have to pray. He says, if you are suffering, take some time and pray and talk to your Heavenly Father about it. He says, are you cheerful? Are you happy? Are you having a moment of joy? Don't keep that bottled up. Let that joy, let that cheerfulness come out in songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Don't hold that cheer inside. Let it bubble over. My kids hate it when I let my cheer bubble over because it means blasting the radio louder and singing at the top of my lungs, you know, with everything I've got, and I am not a singer. And so it embarrasses them. But you know what? It's a moment of cheer. It's a moment of joy. It's a moment of that cheer coming out in praise and thanksgiving to God. It's a moment in which I am declaring the goodness of God. I am declaring his holiness. I am declaring that he's faithful. And I am celebrating. It's a celebration. And James is basically saying, if you feel it, let it out. Don't keep it in. Somebody else might need that cheer that you're experiencing. Somebody else might need to know that there's still joy out there. Somebody needs to know that God is still faithful. Sing it as loud as you want. Let everybody hear you. Then he says, are any sick? Call on the elders of the church and have them pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So if you remember back to suffering, if you are suffering, he says, go pray. Go pray about it. Go talk to God about it. But if you're sick, he does not recommend that you simply pray about it. He says, you invite the elders of the church to join you in prayer. It is not time to go at it alone. It is time to bring in the body of Christ. Go to them, ask them to pray for you, to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Because the prayer is powerful and effective. You see, the person that's going through sickness has to be willing to ask the elders to pray. You have to be willing to reach out to others and say, I need prayer right now. I need you to pray for me. 
My wife and I have this custom that if one of us is having a bad day, the other one stretches out the hand and puts it on the head and prays. Uh, one of us will be like, pray for me. My wife will call me from work, pray for me. I'll call her after a meeting, pray for me. You know, we, we do that. Why? Because we recognize the need for intercessory prayer, for us to pray for each other. And what James was saying is, whenever you're going through illness, you have to bring in the body of believers because they are the ones who believe that God can heal you and make you whole. They're the ones that have experienced the goodness and the faithfulness of God. They're the ones that are mature enough to know that God can change the situation. So bring them in and let them pray for you. James affirms that the prayer of faith over the sick will save them and that the Lord will raise them up. And he adds, and anyone who has committed sins, their sins will be forgiven. You see, in Scripture, anointing was used often over kings to designate that God was with them and that his favor was with them and that they were elected to serve. But it was also used to anoint the sick as a sign of consecration, of cleansing, of the covering of God's presence over that illness. And so when James says that we should be anointed with oil, what he's saying is that we should be covered in God's presence and in prayer that we should be completely covered in that way. And he says, and if, it, if you need to confess any sins, that's the time to do it. He says, go ahead and confess your sins before one another and get forgiveness of those sins. In Scripture, a lot of times in the Old Testament, sin and illness were closely linked. They thought that if you were sick, either you sinned or your father sinned or your father's father sinned. Somebody sinned along the way for you to be ill. And so oftentimes people did not just get offered healing. They got offered healing and forgiveness. So that if there was any lingering sin, it would be forgiven and wiped away. And so that the healing would not just be physical, but complete. Remember the story when Jesus healed the man that was crippled and lowered through the roof by his friends? When he was brought down and Jesus saw the faith of the friends that had brought him to him, he said to him, son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say you're healed. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And immediately the people around started murmuring and Jesus could tell in his heart that they were having trouble with his words of forgiveness of sins. And he said, is it easier for me to tell him to get up and walk? Fine. Son, take your mat, get up and walk and go home. The result was the same. But what Jesus was offering was not just the healing of the body, he was healing the soul. He was offering forgiveness of sins, which restores life. And he was praying for this man before God in his words. James says that we should all confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we may be healed. And when we hear those words, we think healing of illness again. But again, I think James is going deeper. He's talking about a healing of not just the body, but the soul. How many times have we prayed for somebody who was sick? 
and prayed to God and described the illness and described the solution that we're hoping for and described the condition, but we have not stopped to pray for the condition of that person's soul and their relationship with God. James is saying that when we pray for them, we need to pray for the total person and include also the status of their soul. He says the prayer of the righteous is powerful and it's effective. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And I hate to say it, but when I hear powerful and effective, I immediately think extra strength Tylenol. You know, you want the full force, the full strength stuff. You don't want the weak stuff. You don't want the delayed release that's going to take 10 hours to work. You want the one that's going to do it right now. You want the one that's effective and taking care of that headache, right? And he says, if you want prayer that is effective and powerful, then you have to seek righteousness with God and pray that prayer of faith. You have to be able to believe and hope like we sang in the song. You have to be able to trust that God can do it. And then, of course, James gives us an example that is, in my opinion, overkill. He talks to us about Elijah. He tells us Elijah was a human being just like us, but he fervently prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. And if Elijah can do it, so can you. Sounds like a lot, right? But you have to know the story. You have to understand where Elijah was coming from. Elijah was told by God to pray this prayer so it wouldn't rain because Ahab had, had introduced into Israel the, the worship of Baal and Asherah, foreign gods. And God was not pleased. And God wanted to show the king that he was not pleased. And so he used Elijah to pray this prayer, Lord, do not let it rain. And it did not rain for three years and six months. And it wasn't until he prayed again that it rained on the land. I got to admit, when I hear about Elijah and what he was able to do in prayer, my petitions get very small. You know, I'm asking for a good day tomorrow. Elijah asked it for not to rain for three years and a half. You know, I ask him for, uh, thank him for my food and, you know, for my kids and simple things like that. And he's stopping rain from coming from the heavens for three and a half years. My petitions seem small, yet through prayer, we're told that Elijah was mighty and powerful because he was right with God. He was righteous and he was seeking God's will. Over 15 or, I, I forget if it was 15 or 17 years ago, there was a drought here in Georgia. I don't know how many of y'all remember that drought. It was so dry that the states were fighting over water. Like Florida was complaining that Georgia was not letting enough water through. And Tennessee was receiving complaints from Georgia because we weren't getting enough water from their rivers. And everybody was complaining about the drought. It was so dry that fires were just springing up in the wilderness because it was so dry that it didn't take anything for stuff to catch on fire. And I remember that churches everywhere started to pray for rain. I was in Covington at the time, and we changed the church sign 
which always had like a Bible verse or some, some, some interesting comment or, or quote, it said simply, Lord, send us rain or something to that effect. Make it rain. And I remember that it took about three months of praying that prayer. And you know what happened? It started to rain like crazy. I don't know how many of you remember, but it had been so dry for so long that then it started to pour rain and we started having problems with flooding because the, the rain wasn't sinking. Into, the ground was so dry, it wasn't even absorbing it. It was just flying over it. And rivers started, you know, coming out of their banks and creeks started overrunning their sides. And very quickly, the signs in the churches started coming down. And I remember that there was a Baptist church in Covington that changed their sign to something new. Lord, you can stop now. We got enough rain. Thank you. It was a recognition that prayers had been answered. It was a recognition that we had prayed for something that seemed extraordinary, but yet God had done it. It ended the drought. At that moment of time, we saw God's hands move in our favor. Do we believe, as James does, that the prayer that we raise to God touches the heart of God? Do we believe that when we come to God with our concerns that He can bring healing and wholeness, that He can forgive sins, that He can restore that which is broken? Do we believe that God can effect change in our world, that God can stop a pandemic, that God can put an end to this COVID? Because if we do, then we need to continue to lift up righteous prayer. We need to continue to come before God and say, Lord, we don't have the answers, but you do. Help the answers come. You know, and we don't tell God how to do it. We didn't tell God how to bring rain. We just told him we needed rain. It was up to him to do it. We don't need to tell God how to stop COVID, whether through medicines or vaccines or whatever method God wants, or maybe he just wants to kill the virus off by himself. But we do pray. We pray that, that prayer of righteous faith, believing that the God we serve can put an end to it whenever he wants to. Prayer is not just for emergencies, though. And we, I have to confess, you know, sometimes we treat it as an emergency thing, you know. It's like the fire extinguisher on the wall. If nothing's on fire, the fire extinguisher stays there, and it doesn't get used. And sometimes we treat prayer that way. If something's not critically bad going on in our lives or in our situation, then we, we got prayer right there just in case we need it. And I think what James is trying to communicate to the church and to us today is that prayer is something that has to be an integral part of our lives as Christians. That is not just something for emergencies. That is not just something for once in a while. That it is something that has to be on our lips all the time. Whether it be prayer of thanksgiving or petition or praise, whether it's prayer for the sick, whether it's prayer for our country, there needs to be prayer in our lives on a regular basis. That prayer without ceasing. Pick a time. Pick a situation for you to pray. 
and put it in your schedule. I like to pray as I lay down to sleep. For one thing, I don't have kids ask me to do anything and everybody's eaten and everybody else is in bed because I'm usually the last one in bed. So it gives me a chance to really review my day with God and to talk to God about my next day and ask him to care for me and care for my family and care for what I will be doing. I got that habit from my mom who used to pray Psalm 4, verse 8 with me daily. En paz me acostaré y así mismo dormiré porque solo tu Jehová me hace vivir confiado. For those that don't know Spanish, that prayer says, I will lay me down in peace and sleep for you, Lord, only make me dwell in safety. It is a prayer that declares faith and trust in God and reminds me that it is God who keeps me safe. That it is God who looks after me and that it is God in whom I hope. This prayer always reminded me of whose I am and who is my daddy. Growing up as a kid, it was always reassuring and I always slept better because when I was sleeping, I knew that there was one who never sleeps who was watching over me as I slept. James's point, I think, is pretty clear. Whatever you do, pray. Keep praying. Keep talking to God about healing, about whatever it is that is going on in your life. Pray for each other. Don't just pray for yourself. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for your, the people in church. There's a reason we collect prayer requests. It is because Scripture teaches us to make our requests known to share them with the elders of the church so that people can be praying for us. Why would we do it alone? You know, it's, it's like the people that want to carry all the grocery bags all by themselves, and they got a family of five. Let somebody help you with that. You know, let somebody pray alongside of you. You don't have to pray alone. God has given you a community of faith to pray with you. Let them lift you up in prayer. This is part of what it means to be a part of the community of faith, the Christian faith. In closing, James tells us that if anyone among us wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, that we should know that whoever brought back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, when you read that, you immediately want to be the one who's going out to get a wanderer because you want, you, want, you want that to be true for you, right? You're like, hey, I want to be one of those rescuers. That sounds great. But the reality is that sometimes we are the wanderers. Sometimes it is us that need to be brought back. Sometimes it is us that deviate from the faith. Sometimes it is us that need somebody to come to us and bring us back. And it's so important for us as a community of faith to realize that part of our task as the body of Christ is to seek those who are still lost and those who have been found and have wandered away. You know, there's many people 
that during this pandemic, instead of drawing closer to God, have drawn further away. There's many that have, that had a relationship with God and have let that relationship get more distant and more distant and more distant. And it's our responsibility to seek for those wanderers, to remind them of the truth and to bring them back. And it is a serious matter because James reminds us that this is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of being able to save their soul by keeping them in the truth. It's our responsibility as a community of faith. Gather the wanderers. Bring them back. Their salvation is at stake. So I pray that you will continue to pray for each other, but as you pray and as you continue to give thanksgiving and as you continue to do your daily thing, think of the wanderers that are still out there and reach out to one of them. Call them. Let them know that they're missed at church. Let them know that we hope that they're doing okay and if there's anything we can pray for, connect with them because we need to reach out to every one of them, to remind them of the truth that God is still in control and that God is still our hope and that he is still our strength. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, for the invitation to continue to pray with each other and for each other. We thank you for the grace and the forgiveness that you give to us in prayer that if we come and confess our sins before you, O oh Lord, you will forgive us and you will redeem us and you will heal us. We ask, O oh Lord, for all those who are still experiencing illness out there. Right now, O oh Lord, we pour your oil of gladness on every person who is experiencing COVID right now. We pour out that oil and we anoint them in the name of Jesus Christ for healing, for restoration, Lord. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will do creative miracles in each and every one of them and help them, O oh Lord, to be restored to good health. And we pray, O oh Lord, for those who are wandering, those who need to draw closer to you because they have forgotten, Lord, that you are still there for them. Remind them on this day, O oh Lord, that you are the God who provides, the God who heals, the God who sustains, that you are the God who gives life. And help us, O oh Lord, to continue to have our hope centered on you. Help us to pray with faith and in righteousness to bring our request to you, knowing that you answer the prayer of the righteous. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>